welcome all those by way of television this morning. And it's great a privilege to be in the homes of so many by way of television. And we want to thank those that are listening by way of radio. And we send our greetings in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This coming week, we're beginning our Bible study on Wednesday evenings. And Wednesday evenings is a real holy time from 6 to 7. Uh, purchase a number of books if you'd like to have a book and others are going by what what term do they use Chris on the uh, books the God of hope and we're looking at each Google duel and uh, Joan Joan is going by by what way Chris Google if you work through some of that confusion you probably will want to call into the church office if you have a uh, book and that's going to be every Wednesday, every Wednesday evening and it's from 6 to 7 p.m. We, we begin promptly. We really encourage the faithfulness through the series. Try to plan your week around the study because when you miss a week it's kind of hard to um, comprehend what's going. But we're looking at how God provides us with the hope and joy to sustain our Christian life. Through all of the books of the Bible we're going to be beginning with Genesis and going right straight through the book of Revelation. So if you're viewing by way of television, um, do let us know. We've ordered a number of books. Let us begin our worship with our opening hymn, Lift High the Cross, and I came in early this morning, and a little while later, Clarice was coming in, and she was playing, and uh, she did such a beautiful job, and I think this must be one of her favorites. It's a favorite of mine. And it's quite a message there. So let's turn as a congregation to our purple hymnals. Purple hymnals, 159, 159. If you feel comfortable standing, you may want to stand, please.
needed to dedicate that number to a number of our parishioners. I did talk of Kurt Cockle this past week, and he sends his love and greetings. Let us turn to our next hymn, I Surrender All, Purple Number 354, please.
go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you that for the wonderful hymns that remind us about the necessity of surrendering all. But one of the concerns of John and Charles Wesley as they composed many of the 6,500 hymns was that their followers would sing the hymns without it applying to their lives. We pray, Father, this morning that as we sing these hymns that they would do more than application to our lips, the meditations of our heart, and the words of our mouth be acceptable to you. And Lord, especially this weekend, in this coming time, we remember God of history and, and remembrance, we remember. We, we remember when the Twin Towers fell and the lives were lost. We remember the dust and the smoke, the despair and the grief. We remember that sense of vulnerability and shock. We remember the numbness that overwhelmed us as we watched our screens for hours and hours waiting for an explanation and understanding that seemed to never come. We remember, yes, Lord, we remember God of hope and presence. We remember. We remember the, the heroes, those who rushed up to help, who guided the wounded from innumerable flights and stairs, who rose to overwhelming challenges, those who held death in their hands. We remember the hours and the days of binding wounds and healing hurts, giving comfort, drying tears. We remember words of support and compassion from nations far and wide. We remember. We remember in part because we see. We see the ripples of that tragic day continue to impact our world some 20 years later. We grieve with allies today as our allies grieved with us 20 years ago. And we ask, Lord, that as together we wonder if there will ever be an end, an, an end to violence, to war, to hatred, to death. We remember and we grieve our world, world's inability to learn the things that lead to peace. We call out to you, O Lord, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in our remembrance that you are a God of justice and you are a God of peace. Give us a will to truly pray that your kingdom, may we say together, your kingdom may come on earth as it is in heaven. And on this day of solemn remembrance and this coming year of remembrances, may we honor the lives that were lost in that tragic act. May we give thanks for those who served and saved, rendered aid and assistance. May we give comfort to those who live with loss. May we seek justice and peace where it is within our abilities and rely on you when the ability escapes us. For on this day after a solemn remembrance, may we build what has been torn down. May we mend what has been broken. May our lives of love be lives of love rather than hate. May we bear witness to the cause of peace. And we ask, Lord, that within our heart of hearts, we may continue to grieve. Grieve on this anniversary, the coordinated terrorist attack carried out in the United States, resulting in 3,000 fatalities and thousands, thousands of injuries, those that are continuing to die from the causes of September 11, 2001. Even with the passing of years, we 
we remain aware of the devastating loss of life and trust as well as the, the shortness of life, the fragility of our common life. And as the United States Department has reported that over 90, 90 countries lost citizens in those attacks, which is too often overlooked with the attacks of 9-11, our, our confidence in our ability to sustain and protect our diverse community and people is threatened and shaken. And Lord, as we continue to struggle to understand what it means to be a country of such diversity and, and to keep working to make it a society where all can flourish and get along, and as we honor our military who serve and those who have served and the prayers of Christians, let us remember not only the number of lives lost, but also the diversity of lives. And may we recommit ourselves to the cultivating of communities and a a country where everyone can flourish and participate in our common life. For gracious God, we, we continue to grieve and lament all the tremendous loss of life that our world has endured. We remember the Americans, the British, the Dominicans, the Greeks, the South Koreans, the Canadians, the Mexicans, the Japanese, the Colombians, the Jamaicans, the Filipinos, the Ecuadorians, the Australians, the Germans, and those of other countries who died so tragically on 9-11 and the days that followed. We remember the families and communities who lost their loved ones. May our acknowledgement of their loss bring them some comfort and, and assurance that they are not alone. Help us to convert our grief into renewed commitment for a diverse community and country where all can live safely and in peace. Help our entire world to to decrease the appetite for violence and oppression and to increase our appetite for creativity and respect and reconciliation. In your many holy and beautiful names we pray as you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we journey on into Dr. Luke's gospel, the gospel of good news to Gentiles and Jews alike, our scripture lesson for those of you who very diligently follow along in scripture is taken from Luke's gospel, the ninth chapter verses 23 through 27. So take a moment, get your Bibles out, and turn to Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and through 27. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Luke 9, 23 through 27. Jesus is speaking to you and I today and those that were physically there when he was physically amongst them and as he is in spirit with you and I this glorious day. Jesus said to them all, if any want, if any want to become my followers, which I th think we truly and deeply want to be followers of Christ, let them deny themselves. Let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and, and follow Jesus. For those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit them if they gain the whole world, but lose or forfeit themselves? Those who are ashamed of me and my words, of them the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father 
and of the holy angels. For truly, Jesus tells you and I today, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. Good morning, brothers and sisters. To be a true disciple of Jesus, the cross we carry is burdened with our own sins and will to sin. In following the Lord Jesus and to be walking our own way to the cross, we are burdened with our own cross of sin. A true disciple does not just hear and read the Bibles of Christ from the, from the book, but they should also, a true disciple also lives his words and actions. The application of what you've read and heard must be shown in your own actions. The selfish, sinful needs and words of our own old lives must remain securely nailed to our own cross, with just like Jesus hung on it to die. Our old selves should be truly gone, and the new should have already arrived and been maintained, I would add. It's simply not enough to sound like Jesus and talk about him, but it's critical that Jesus is also seen in our actions. After accepting Jesus, it's mandatory to renounce and permanently remove our old sinful nature and physically display our allegiance to God with what we do. The sinful things in our lives should be in our past so they don't get in the way with our, in our relationship with God. Only then will you physically and personally show others your allegiance to God. Citizenship in the eternal kingdom should be first and foremost in our lives and should be shown against anything that would go contrary to his word. The things that are, come from us can only lift and glorify ourselves. They don't glorify God. We should always be seeking the kingdom first because what we have here on earth, really, although we might value it now, doesn't mean anything. It goes away. It gets burned up, it gets destroyed, it rusts, it ruts, it rots, it rusts. It just goes away. It's destined for destruction. Besides that, how would it matter when we pa after we pass? Your house won't last, your cars won't last, your friends won't last. All your fortune and property will eventually fade away. The only thing we have or can possess here on earth that last fraternity is what we have in Jesus. Everyone within the sound of my voice should realize that. Although not physically visible, our relationship with Jesus should always and continually be shown and demonstrated for others. We do and can, or should and can, possess the greatest and most eternally valuable treasure ever possible. This inestimable treasure is free. You have treasure. I have treasure. Everybody with the sound of my voice can have this treasure simply by believing in it and having faith that it's there. Our God has blessed us many ways, at home, at work, at play, but his greatest blessing that he gave to any believer in Christ is the gift of eternal life and being a member of his family. That is what we have inherited from our Father God with our faith in Jesus Christ from God. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
want to remind you all that we're starting our fellowship time immediately following church services. Uh, Chris and myself are kicking it off, and I think we still have room for signatures, but those that would be interested in signing up will provide food immediately following our service. Chris Larson and I have um, many similarities. We like motorcycles and that, and I was blessed and fortunate to purchase a, a bike from Chris, and he made one stipulation that I not ride it in the Osseo Parade. <laughs> I stand by that. Um, last year I rode my, I think it was last year. No, they didn't have one last year, did they, Chris? The parade, because of COVID? It might have been two years ago I rode the D-Max, and Chris has a real love for some of those old bikes like, like myself. One of my first bikes in the, um, the 60s was a 53 Harley-Davidson 125. And um, at that time, you know, Harley was working a lot of imperfections out because they just kind of transferred after the Warriors, the German, Germany Nazi bikes over into the American Harley-Davidson's. And I ordered so many parts when I was a young man. I still remember that serial number of the bike was 53ST4078. A series of numbers. The first two meant that it was created in 53. 53ST4078. I won't ask you to repeat that. But um, recently I purchased a, a 48, even older than my 53 from, from um, Chris. Uh, primarily as a Mother's Day gift for my wife. <laughs> Not really. So, and um, Chris and Katie, I think, Chris and Katie, for many years, you you had that as kind of a uh, something that you viewed. It was in your house, right? It was in your house. I haven't quite got to that point of bringing it into our house. I, as you know, I dissembled it and sent it out to the body shop to have it, you know, sprayed and cleaned and, and restored. Katie was a very understanding person. For how many years was it in your house? 14. Did it spring a leak and then you wanted to, oh, little pan. We can get those pans, um, my Chris. It's interesting that, you know, even in life, God wants to restore our bodies and restoration and we we find in our scripture here that he's talking about the kingdom of God. People were looking for a kind of a physical kingdom of God, something that they could just see happen. But the kingdom of God that Jesus was talking about was a transformation within, that once one participates in the ABCs of salvation, that A, you admit you're a sinner and you need to be saved by grace through faith in Christ, and then B, you need to believe and that belief needs to be actuated in actions. And then C, you need to confess him as your Lord and Savior. That, that the Holy Spirit starts coming in. And we, we ask for kind of a daily filling. In our scripture today, it talks about denying ourselves each and every day. Three points I, I lift up in this scripture is that we learn. We learn, for one thing, the absolute necessi necessity. It's a, it's a necessary thing that we daily have self-denial. That's daily self-denial. Then secondly, we learn from another thing from our Lord's words in this passage, the unspeakable, 
unspeakable value of the soul. It's totally unspeakable, the, the value of the soul. And then thirdly, we learn in the last place from our Lord's words, the guilt and the danger of being ashamed of Christ and Christ's words. There's hardly a day that I, I do not come to church for a period of time, and, and I reflect upon the many people that have came through that doorway. And I was thinking of Vern Peterson this morning and how Vern would be up and about and moving around and, and how dearly and deeply, you know, we miss those bodies that were that's such a necessity of, of the church. And um, I remember the Wazwits would come in every Christmas Eve and they'd bring a kind of a box of candy and they'd say, you know, this isn't much, but it's, it's, it's the, the memory that we want to create. I remember Fern, more than Bill would say, well, we want to make sure this church is around to bury us. And I can tell you countless testimonies of people that say, oh, we hope this is around and put all of us to rest and disperse us to heaven in so many words. While the words of our Lord Jesus Christ contain these three great lessons for all Christians, they, they apply to all the ranks and, and classes without exception. They are intended for uh, every age and time and for every branch of the, the visible church. I have that picture. I think I gave it to Chris, of Chris and Katie sitting on the, the couch, and we had just left the, the sanctuary, and we were having coffee hour, and had left the blessing of the bikes. We learned, for one thing, the absolute necessity of, of daily self-denial, and that's kind of like part of that is maybe looking at the person next to us and saying, you know, thank God for you, and and truly being appreciative because I'm sure that all of those people that were affected in 9-11 were thinking about going to work, coming home, going through the cycle of repetition, repetition that they had gone through day after day. The Bible reminds us that each and every day we are to crucify the flesh to overcome the world and, and to resist the devil. We ought to keep under our bodies the control, to keep under control our bodies and, and bring them into subjection, that our bodies serve our souls rather than the other way around, our souls serving our body, but irregardless of the direction, we realize that the body is temporal and the soul and the spirit is eternal. We ought to be on our guard always like soldiers in an enemy country. We, we ought to fight a daily battle and we ought to war against that daily warfare. And the command of our master Jesus is clear as he explains that if anyone, you could put that, substitute your name for anyone. If anyone will come after me, Jesus says, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and, and follow me. Now, you may ask, what, what do we know of all of this? Now, are, there are those by way of television and and radio and all forms of comment, and I'll be sharing that with our district superintendent this coming Thursday as he asks questions about our church, and I ask him how things are going. Surely this is a question which ought to be asked. Surely this is a question which ought to be asked, a little formal 
we may ask a little formal church going, a decent attendance at a place of worship, can never be the Christianity of which Christ speaks in this place. It's not just minimally getting by. Where is our self-denial? Where is our daily carrying of the cross? Where is our following of Christ? Without a religion of this kind, we shall be never saved. A crucified Savior will never be content to have a self-pleasing, self-indulging, worldly-minded people. Christ is always above culture, not culture above Christ. No self-denial, no real grace. No cross, no crown. They that are Christ, says St. Paul, have crucified the flesh with its affections and with its lusts, according to Galatians. Whosoever will save their life, says the Lord, Jesus says, will lose their life. But if we lose it in the cause of Christ, and whosoever will lose their life for the sake of Jesus will save their life. It's kind of like where those who have made a commitment to um, serve God and country and the military, it's kind of like no one is left behind. No one is left behind. They take it from this sense here. Well, secondly, we learn for another thing from our Lord's words in this passage, the unspeakable value of a soul. How, do you, how would you possibly place any financial figure on the soul of a person? The question is asked, which admits only one answer. What is a person's advantage? What is a person's advantage if they gain the whole world and then lose their souls? Or, as one translation says, you become a castaway. You become a castaway. The possession of the whole world and all that the whole world contains will never make a person happy. That one more thing that we always hope for to turn us around and make us complete and make us happy when it comes. It seems like the presents underneath the tree are more enjoyable than the presents open a day or two later. It's that anticipation, it's, it's riches, rank, and honors have no power to satisfy the heart. So long as we have not got them, their glitter, the sparkle, the seemingly desirable, the moment we have them, we find that they are a, a, an empty bubble and commit and cannot make us feel content. Kind of reminds me of when, when we had we got the, our grandkids a bubble machine and we were shooting these bubbles out and they were trying to catch the bubbles quickly as they flew out and pop them. And it was a means of kind of teaching them to count. Whoever popped the most bubbles, their a prize. And you and I probably see many bubbles in our life. And worst of all, when we possess, the world says, possess this world's good things 
to the utmost bound of our desire, we, we cannot keep them. They disappear. Death comes in and separates us from all our, our property forever. Someone just mentioned to me yesterday that they've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Naked we come into the earth and naked we go forth and of all our possessions we can carry nothing, carry nothing with us. My wife always says that I kind of live in the past and I, I do find a lot of enjoyment in thinking of the past. Such is the world which occupies the whole attention of, of thousands. Such is the world for the sake of which millions are every year destroying, destroying their souls. The loss of the soul is the heaviest loss that can befall humankind. Loss of the soul, a spirit for all eternity, the worst and the most painful of diseases, the most distressing of, of the bankruptcy, the bankruptcy of fortunes, the most disastrous shipwrecks are, are a mere stretch or a mere scratch of a pin compared to the loss of a soul. All other losses are bearable or out just for a short time, but the loss of the soul is forever. It is to lose God and Christ and heaven and glory and happiness for all eternity. It is to be a castaway, a castaway forever, helpless and, and hopeless in, in hell. I think of that movie with Tom Hanks, the castaway, and he felt so bad he couldn't even take his own life. Finally, this ball I think it was a volleyball or a soccer ball floated to shore and he painted a face on it and that was his companion. You remember that, the name of that volleyball? A little homework for next week. What are we doing? What are we doing ourselves? Are we, are we losing our souls? Are we, by a willful neglect or by open sin, by a sheer carelessness and, and idleness or deliberate breach of God's law, Encompassing our own destruction? These questions demand an answer. The, the plain account of many a professing Christian is just that they're daily, they're daily warring against the sixth commandment. They are, they are murdering their souls. And then thirdly, we learn in the last place from our Lord's words here, the guilt, the guilt and, and danger of being ashamed, ashamed of Christ and, and his words. It just grieves my spirit when I'm around somebody that's cussing and swearing and, and you know, for every cuss word and, and profanity in my mind, I'm saying about 10 praise the Lord's. I've done it for years because I think it takes about Ten praise the Lord to erase what somebody has said in vulgarity and profanity. We read that Jesus says, Whosoever, and you could put your name in there, Whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, 
Of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his glory and in his Father's, and the Father comes, and the holy angel talking about the rapture, the second coming of Christ, or when we go to meet Christ. You know, you may think of many ways that you of being ashamed of Christ. We, we're all guilty of it whenever we are afraid of letting others know that we, that we love. We truly love his church. We love his doctrines. We love his precepts, his people, and his ordinances. Jesus has suffered not a little child to come unto me for a such long kingdom of God. We fail when we don't want to wear a cross or we don't want to wear a flag. We don't want to be, we want to stand for the flag and kneel for the cross. We, we don't want to be phototyped as not carrying a Bible or not carrying any form of spirituality and likeness to Jesus. There are many ways of being ashamed of Christ, of his doctrines, his precepts, his people, and his ordinances. We're guilty of it whenever we, we allow the fear of others to prevail over us and to keep us back from letting others see that we are decidedly Christians. And whenever we act in this way, we are denying our Christ and our Master, and we're committing this great sin of self-denying when we don't want to project the Christ that's to be within us. The wickedness of being ashamed of Christ is, is very great. It, it's proof of unbelief, and it's the number one cause of the decline of membership in church attendance. They felt just the last... 10 to 15 years, even more so than COVID, that Christians are becoming ashamed of Christ and, and what Christ stands for and what the Bible is. They're becoming more worldly-minded than spiritually-minded. It's always that we care more for the praise of others when we can see, which we can see, than of God, which we cannot see. It, it's proof of ingratitude, ingratitude, and it, it shows that we fear confessing Jesus before others who is not ashamed to die for us upon the cross. Wretched indeed are they who give way to this sin. And here in this world, they're always miserable. They're always trying to keep one foot in the world and one foot in the church. A bad conscience robs them of peace. In the world to come, they can look for a little comfort. On the day of judgment, they must expect to be possibly disowned by Christ to all eternity if they will not confess Christ for here upon earth. Father, this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed by way of television and radio and other means of communication, let us resolve, let us resolve never to be ashamed of Christ. Of sin and worldliness, we may well be ashamed, but of Christ and his cause, we have no right to be ashamed at all. Boldness in Christ's service always brings its own reward. The boldest Christian is always the happiest person. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you repeat these words with me? Dear Lord, forgive me when I failed you. Give me your strength through your Holy Spirit to not be ashamed of you, your word. Come into my heart and life. Empower me by your Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God. Amen. As we take up an offering, we thank those who, by way of television and radio, faithfully support us by 
their prayers and their presence. And let us join in the offertory prayer listed in our bulletins. Would you say it with me? Loving God. Jesus taught us, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We offer our gifts to you knowing they are part of our treasure. And we do so with the hope that our hearts, our actions, and the words of our tongues will likewise follow. We acknowledge that the tongues that praise you are often the ones that hurt you. When we use them to diminish or discount one of your precious children, guide our hearts, minds, and tongues to the words that bring you joy. In Christ's name we pray, amen. As the ushers come and the praise comes and the offering plate is circulated, let us turn to our offertory hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, purple number 514.
just join in on doc doxology. God of all good gifts, you have provided all that we need for full lives, and yet we don't stop there. We, we continue to fill our lives with things in an elusive search for security. And as we bring these gifts to you this day, remind us that only deeper faith will bring peace and, and good works. Caring for others through generous giving will help us know the joy of full lives. We pray this in the name of Christ, who gave all out of love for all your children. Bless our food and our fellowship and our travels. Return us safely next week in Jesus' name. Amen.